everyone, I'm Blake Woolsey and this is Meet Us in the Middle. I've had a great conversation with our senior economist, Julie Trivet, about her latest report that she has released called Scrolling for Jobs. Of course, you can imagine this hot topic about the labor crisis we're in, how people are finding jobs, how people are finding people to put in jobs. And in this conversation, what makes me most privileged to talk to any one of our economists is that they don't just take a look at the data and determine what it reveals. They also are making recommendations on what we can do about it so that we can help achieve our mission and our purpose as an organization. And that is improving the middle of the country by improving the economic performance of the heartland. We are so glad that you are here. It's going to be a great conversation. So sit back, relax, enjoy, and thank you so much for coming to the podcast to meet us in the middle. Julie, I'm so happy that you're able to join on this particular podcast for Meet Us in the Middle. You had an exciting report that you released just recently on scrolling for jobs. Um, And as we start the conversation, I really want to learn why you pursued this topic and why it was of interest to you to dig into all of this data. Well, Blake, thanks for talking to me about it. You know, I am always eager to talk about the (laughs) research we've got going on here at Heartland Forward. Um, And this project actually hit kind of close to home a little bit. Um, A couple of things inspired it. When we would be talking to people about our um, initiative to try to increase broadband access in the rural parts of the country, I had a few folks who kind of said, well, we're doing it on our phone. We've all got Facebook and we order online as if ordering stuff online was the full extent of what we need the internet for. And right. I just was thinking about, you know, when COVID hit and I was teaching at the university and all the ways I was connecting with my students and trying to deliver content and help the ones who were trying to do it all on their phone. So that was part of the motivation. But then at, at the same time, during COVID, I switched jobs and I did it all online. Um, I heard about the job. I applied to it. I interviewed for it multiple times. Um, And my son also was looking for a new job, but he wanted to be an electrician apprentice. And when he would look online for jobs to apply to, there really weren't many. And yet we knew that everybody wanted electrical apprentices. Right. But they weren't posting jobs online or when they did, he would apply to them and then not hear back, even though we're hearing from other sources that they're desperate to hire people. And he ended up getting a job just because my sister knew an electrician who said he was having trouble finding folks. And so she connected him. And about 30 minutes later, he had a job offer. So I was just- Two totally different ways, right? Of of, of going about getting a job. (laughs) Exactly. It's like, okay, this is really wild. It's an important thing some of us do online, but all labor markets aren't utilizing it the same way. So- That just kind of inspired me to dig into all the details of the data and see what we could learn. So based on that example, because I love it because it's a, it's a, it was personal to you, right? And a lot of times that was motivates us to really want to pursue something. Talk about 
assumptions that you had going into it and those assumptions that may have changed based on the data and the way it presented itself? Yes. Well, I thought that I was going to find that in places where you have high-speed internet, everybody's using the internet for jobs, you know, either to do their job or to find their job or to, to hire new folks. Um, and I thought it was really going to be super strongly correlated with where you were and how good the internet was there. Right. And what I found was that even if the internet is good, some occupations just don't use online job postings or some occupations don't post their resumes online to try to let the world know they might be interested in another job. And even in the places where we may struggle to have high-speed internet, lots of folks are using the internet to look for another job. So, so it was much more correlated with what you do and perhaps the skills you have than how good your internet was. Oh, okay. So that is very interesting. In layman's term, give give us a couple of examples of that, Julie. When you when you you put it in those words, just so that our brains are connecting. Yeah. Well, there are some occupations where um, we see a whole lot of online activity for workers and employers to match up. the The number one was health informatics. These people who are doing a lot of data work using health and patient data. Right. Lots of job ads available and lots of people who have those skills putting their resumes out there. Um, and other, I mean, other jobs and other labor markets simply don't use the internet quite so much, or there may be less benefit to posting your resume. Um, a lot of government offices or schools have a very kind of regimented process by which they employ people. And it's intended to make sure that it's fair and equitable. But if you put your resume out and say, hey, you're looking for a job as a teacher, it doesn't do much because the school can't consider you until you go through your formal application <laughs> sure, process. The, 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 typical, um, the typical process that is presented there, it's not quite as aggressive as I would imagine corporate positions are when it comes to looking for somebody. Exactly. Exactly. Different, you know, different jobs have different ways in which their labor markets operate. Well, gosh, with such a need, and I know that this is not something we have an answer for today, but with such a need for people in the health industry or people, teachers, you know, and how we're having, they're having to, our communities are having to look at different ways of recruiting teachers. I wonder if that will change, you know, or whether that process will remain the same because it's the way it's always been. <laughs> so it'll be curious to watch and see how that unfolds in our world. It will be. I haven't seen anyone talk about changing some of the those systems, but what I have seen is creating a single portal where a teacher can apply for a job and then the application could go to multiple districts rather than having to go through and go through the process for each individual district that they wanted to apply to. Oh, well, wouldn't that be great? Because then you, your pool as if somebody who's hiring would be broader as well as you then don't have to go to the links to go one by one by one by one to every single district. So exactly. that, would, that would be really interesting. So what do you think was the most important thing that you learned in putting all of this together as a report? Well, I don't know if it was the most important, but the most interesting for me um, had to do with, you know, the time frame that the data was collected went from July 1, 2020 until June 30th, 2021. 
So this is the time frame when COVID is kind of running rampant. We didn't have vaccines at the beginning, but they were, you know, unveiled and then rolled out during that time. And in different places kind of had different strategies on how they dealt with it. And I knew that that had to be influencing the labor market somehow, or that the patterns in what a state or a county would do would also influence how things were going in the labor market. So I, I estimated an overall state effect, um, you know, after controlling for the combination of occupations that are in the state labor market and looked at some of the other measures we had, measures like how much internet infrastructure do they have? Are there folks who struggle to get connected to the internet? Um, what was the policy on the, the public health protections versus the economic freedom um, protections that were put in place during the whole COVID? What was it, a COVID ordeal? COVID <laughs> the, the whole COVID pandemic that exactly. existed. Right. And yeah. it was such a gentle dance that states had to do, regardless of blue or red. It really was this gentle dance because, you know, all, all um, economies wanted to continue to stay above water, right? While people were able to work as the way in new ways in which they were working, I would imagine. Oh, absolutely. Right. We wanted to minimize the number of illnesses and deaths. And yet we also wanted to minimize the economic harm because we knew that the lives could be error you know, irrevocably changed as a result of economics as well. And and what was good for one might not be so good for the other. And it was a really challenging set of decisions everybody had to make. But yep. what I found was that when the decisions were able to be made at the local level, um, we saw more job postings available. So when a, you know, a school or an employer or a county had the ability to kind of look at their local population and right. what the biggest priorities were, and they were able to, to implement a policy and enforce it, we saw more job postings relative to what we would expect. So that is something that is really could be a lesson learned for policymakers and community leaders, that at that local level, empowering people to make those decisions based on their community and what that need is. Exactly. If you had a lot of state level policies that said you must implement these protections, or if you had a lot of state level policies that said you may not implement any of these or you may not enforce them, then you know it had a differential effect than when the states kind of were hands off and let the local decision makers take the lead on that. So, Julie, you also have an interactive tool that you had designed to complement this report. I know you had the help of one of our um, amazing interns, Austin. How can somebody go in and use that tool, and what is it to their benefit to go in and take a look at it? Yeah, so the tool shows for every state. So we know that metropolitan and non-metropolitan labor markets operate a little differently. So every state is broken down into a metropolitan region and the non-metropolitans. And for all of the different occupations that I looked at, we have resume posting data and job, job ads, job posting data. And it shows what the range is. And this is relative to what we would expect if the local labor market looked just like the national labor market. Okay. But you can take your cursor and hover over it. 
And so when you see an extreme high outlier for jobs, you can hover over it and see, oh, in rural Arkansas, we saw 2.3 times the amount of job ads we would expect for this particular occupation path. And you can see what the kind of the low end outliers are as well. So who would this be prime for to go in and take a look, say from a local government um, or even from a state government? Who's, who would be to the greatest benefit of going in and playing with this? Well, I would, you know, it, I think it's especially helpful for the rural labor markets where um, folks may struggle to find a good match to see if you see a lot of resume postings that indicates those are folks who are interested in new opportunities or new employment possibilities. So if it's particularly high and it doesn't match your job ads, that's a signal of where it might be useful to think about what skills do those folks have and what other occupations would they be useful in? Like a simple way to cross train for a new occupation that is in higher demand right now. So I would think a lot of the kind of the workforce or the training, uh, the people who design or think about what training programs should be funded might get some insight that's useful there. So even like at a community college level, right, for them to go Absolutely. in and take a look and see what what is out there and where what is a gap that we can fill to provide additional training or certifications for people who might have the skill set and could grow in their careers with this additional certificate or this additional learning? Absolutely. I mean, the big thing we keep hearing over and over is that employers can't find folks to fill their positions, you know? And there are some folks who maybe struggle to get positions because there's not a good skills match. So anything we can do to help those skills match up better. Now, if you see a whole bunch of job postings and a whole bunch of resumes in the same occupation, that just means that that's a market where there's a lot of movement taking place. But if you see a lot of resumes without a lot of jobs, that may be folks that we want to design training to help them get into a new line of work. If we see a lot of job ads and not a lot of resumes, you know, it could be that there's a shortage and that's an occupation we would want to find ways to help people get trained faster or get their credentials more rapidly to fill right. in to be able to help in, in that manner. Mm -hmm. Okay, so where from here, Julie, in the work that you're doing, because I know your focus as an economist is in human capital and workforce development. Where would you see like the next um, iteration of this report or where you will go next in the work that you're doing? Well, a couple of things uh, that, that I've been thinking about throughout the whole data analysis process was it was a really unique time in our history when this data was collected. So I think it might be useful in like 18 months or two years to look at it again when hopefully we're not in the middle of a pandemic. <laughs> we pray, right? We pray. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> You know, so and have, you know, labor market conditions that are a little bit more normal and we don't face those extreme trade-offs perhaps between economics and health. Um, so I think that would be useful just to see how the results compare to what we saw with this first round of analysis. But then also um, I want to look at labor force participation uh, because when someone posts a resume, they're basically saying either I don't have a job and I would like one 
or I have a job, but I think there might be better opportunities and I'm willing to consider those as I come across them. Um, but we do know that a lot of folks have kind of left the labor force. Yes. And the labor force participation rate, you know, the trend for the past 20 years has been more down than up. And just look at what's going on there and what are the ways where we can make the jobs that these employers are struggling to fill an attractive match for the people who maybe have said, you know, work's not really worth it at the moment. Or I don't like what I'm doing and what else could I be doing? I guess with exactly. this great resignation that we um, continue to hear about. Okay, so that is going to be a curious uh, thing for us to set our eyes on in thinking about what is going to, what'll be shared in about 18 months when we hope that things have sort of leveled off. And, you know, who knows what will be happening with our economy, you know, at that point in time that could have an impact. But it is really curious discussion, Julie. Thank you. Yeah so much for participating in our podcast. We love to be able to showcase our really freakishly smart economists, um, especially as they come off of releasing a report that they've worked so hard on. So thank you. We appreciate the time that you've given us today. Well, we hope that you enjoyed that conversation. Didn't it shed some light, if nothing else, affirmation on the idea of the importance in closing the gap of the digital divide and how important high-speed internet is, particularly as we are looking to find a job and COVID really did shed light on that. If you want to learn more about Julie Trivet and her work, you can go to our episode page. We try to keep everything on our episode page for this podcast, Meet Us in the Middle. Whether you're going through Spotify or iTunes, hopefully you'll be able to find it there. So we are so glad that you are here because I think if you're here, then you find the very same importance in coming together to solve problems and take action which brings me to the words of George Strait in his song called Heartland. And I wanna change it just a little bit, but there is one line that says, you're listening to the sound of the American heart. And I hope that every time that you are listening to our podcast, you feel like you are listening to the voice of the American heartland. Thank you so much. And we hope to see you for our next podcast. 